Thank you, everybody, for tuning into I the Show, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything. I'm Katie. And I'm Brady. And today we're talking about heroin, cocaine, methamphetamine, marijuana. Actually, no, today's episode is not about drugs. That's just a list of chemicals that releases dopamine in your brain. Something my drug of choice and the subject of today's episode, music, is very good at. And before we dive into that topic, which is one of my favorites, how was your week? Well, it was a scary week, actually. Uh, We had to take my infant in to get a COVID test. Oh my gosh. It did come up negative. It turns out he just had baby herpes, (laughs) which is uh, actually herpes 6. I can't remember the exact name of the virus, but it was basically just a rash that he had to fight off and it gave him a fever. So So 2020, herpes is better than COVID? Absolutely, There we go. I'm glad. He's doing better though, right? Oh, absolutely now. His fever finally broke yesterday and he's just a big ball of energy now. So no sleep for you? I haven't slept in three days. Ah, the life with an infant. The good old days. (laughs) But luckily, sleep deprivation provides very good podcast content. Oh, well then I should be a rock star then because I have sleep deprivation from a different reason. I had to put in hay this week. Hay is for horses. Well, actually, it's for cows too. (laughs) But anyways, beyond even putting in hay this week, I also had to like organize an entire beach party, paddle boat a child with an inner tube behind me across an entire lake three times. I mean, there, there's so much tired here. Let's be honest. Yeah, I'm North Idaho awake. life. Oh, yeah. And speaking of life, we want to hear from you listeners. I encourage you to go to our Twitter, at GoITheShow, go to our Facebook page, or just go to the comment section of YouTube and leave us your juicy comments. We really want to do commentary on those if they get pretty good. And if they're dramatic, even better, because our feelings don't get hurt easily. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I know on YouTube, people love to just fight each other in the comment section, and I definitely want to see more of that if possible. WWF commentary, bring it. Yeah, just just don't be too rude. Let's, Let's keep it within the terms of service. Please, people, I want coffee and commentary. Make it rain. Yeah, also, if you could send us free coffee, that works too. Oh, yeah, we'll give you a total plug. Just not Starbucks, please. That's like the worst one. I don't want no Ventis. Macchiato. Maserati. No Ferrari. Ooh, Lambo. Rambo. Coffee with a kick. Coffee with a pow. Punch to the face. Roundhouse. Now that we've derailed this crazy train, I think it's time for I Digress. What's your favorite kind of music, Katie? <laughs> Can I say all of it and be really lame and generic? I mean, I really do love all music, though. I'm not going to lie. What about you? Even Drake? Uh, well, uh, I like the memes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meme format of the year 2020, probably. Exactly. Uh, not my personal favorite, but it seems pretty popular. Well, and I mean, to be honest, if something's got a catchy beat, I'm not going to say I don't enjoy it. I, it's just, there are certain genres of music that I like better than others. Like, yeah. I really do enjoy more of guitar driven things yeah me too uh hard guitar music i believe is the overarching term for the the genre there we go Uh, rock and roll uh, hard rock heavy metal all of the thousands of subgenres of metal Mm -hmm. Uh, that's kind of more my cup of tea really well i mean you do kind of have a background in that you should probably let us know about it yeah well i i don't want to get into too much of specifics because the bands i was in are no longer a thing at all but i was in a couple metal bands we did play hundreds of shows live at you know some various venues around Spokane, Washington. I never really progressed from there. Um, we were going to go on tour with a, a nice famous kind of parody metal band called Psycho Stick. Mm. Uh, we, we did a battle of the bands, a local battle of the bands to like kind of win that opportunity. And uh, 
unfortunately, recently after that, our drummer decided to like lose his mind and move to the south to go do like some coal mining or something. Coal mining? So he quit the band and we couldn't really replace him and so kind of things ever everything just kind of fell apart after that and we, we just were no longer a thing and uh, after that, I never really picked myself back up to join any other bands. I started just working more, making more money. So you kind of became like a productive adult cause in a yeah, way, yeah. like that whole lame take the trail off the dreamland type sort of thing. Because I've noticed that yeah. happens. I was a part of a band too. I think it's almost like a rite of passage for a lot of people. We, we did a couple shows and honestly, <laughs> we're going to go off into a different realm here, but I was part of a worship team that sang and did stuff every Sunday. So that's where the background of my music education came from is I guess I, I don't know I sang every week that was my thing I loved it that's awesome that's actually kind of how I started out was uh when I was in youth groups various yeah. youth groups actually I think I was in like three of them dang but I was playing guitar in like the worship band for all three of those I was not good at all oh, by that any was means terrible. but I mean we were just up there doing it just for fun mainly you know to worship the lord or whatever back then um and then you went metal and then I went metal, yes. Talk about uh, taking the train off. Woo! Yeah, I don't exactly know how I dove into it. I think Guitar Hero had a lot to do with that. I got guitar the Guitar Hero, Hero game, and uh, I just got a couple of the songs on there just really spoke to me for some reason. It really tickled my fancy, if you will, and got me really into metal. Uh, this is a song called Six by All That Remains mm -hmm. and Laid to Rest by Lamb of God. It, those were kind of my introduction to the genre. <clears throat> And uh, then I started hanging out with my older brother. He was 12 years older than me, so growing up, I didn't, you know, spend a lot of time with him. He was off doing his own older brother things. Okay. But <clears throat> he came to me one day and asked if I wanted to buy his guitar, and I was, I just, I couldn't turn it down. Like, I had been saving money all summer from mowing lawns and stuff at the time. I think I was 17 or 16. Mm hmm And uh, once I did that, he offered to, you know, teach me kind of more advanced things on the guitar. Like I said, I was only playing in worship bands, so we were playing, like, your basic chords. G, E minor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he offered to teach me more advanced things, but he was really into metal, like like the the obscure stuff, like death metal and black metal and stuff like that. So um, with those kind of genres, they employ a lot more advanced techniques than your standard worship band or any even, like, your standard rock and roll band. So... I kind of just went hard in the paint for a while there, and some of the music he listened to was just, it was so cool, like, the aesthetic of it. Really? And it was just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it appealed to me, and then I got, I dove right in, and I'm still into it this, to this day. I don't like as much of the obscure stuff anymore. Um, it, it just feels gimmicky. Well, I wonder if, like, that's something you bring up. I feel like there's so many more genres of music now than even when I was a kid, and I don't know if the internet has something to do with that, but it is just... There is something for everybody now. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like sometimes people are just making up stuff so they can be that one genre of weirdness for those five people that like it. <laughs> well, look at Weird Al. <laughs> I mean, he made a career out of that. That is true, yeah. 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 And that's an older reference. There's so many more doing it now just because of YouTube. Sound bites, um, right? Yeah, sound bites. That's something I really want to talk about, too, is YouTube. Uh, streaming? Not just YouTube. There's a lot of streaming services. Um, but I think before Spotify and before your iTunes really became popular, mm -hmm. um, and I think right around the time of pirating was a huge thing, uh, YouTube, everybody would go to YouTube to stream their music. True. Um, I think it's a major part of the adpocalypse that YouTube had. 
because of how popular music videos were. Um, and not just music videos, people will just pop the picture of an album cover on there and put the whole album or, or just, you know, a song, make a playlist of the album. So basically, you can just go listen to any album for free on YouTube. And to this day, you still can. You're just going to be riddled with ads. I know. People are still fit-throwing about the ad thing. But you think about it. Somebody yeah. took the time to make that music, and I feel like those people need to get paid. So when someone throws that album up and slaps the album cover on it, it's sort of, it is theft. Yeah. I mean, we all love getting to listen to the music. And honestly, there's that whole debate about if you give someone something for free, you'll actually make money because people will seek you out to find more things. Yeah. And so you have to monetize in a different way. And I think that's a topic we you wanted to talk about was streaming, like how it's changed music and how our lives are different because of it. Yeah. Streaming completely changed the entire industry of music. Um, we should actually back up a little bit, rewind. Okay, to, I like rewinding. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the history of mediums that the music is stored on because it, it directly ties into how the industry changed. Are we going to talk about 8-tracks? <clears throat> uh, yeah, we can a little bit. Yeah. I'm not really very knowledgeable about 8-tracks because it was such a... It was kind of like the Betamax of music mediums. It was a totally short time yeah, frame. Like, but you yes, were... it was functional. It just wasn't that popular. The, the players were a little more expensive to make and... Anyway, I digress. I, I do. Sorry, I was just thinking as a little kid, my grandpa had a Camaro with burgundy interior, and I was, anybody that likes to play with Legos is going to love 8-tracks, because you just slam that thing in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like... Uh, the there's the there's something very appealing about... Satisfying. The, the, I think maybe yeah. it, it, because of the nostalgia glasses of it. It probably is. If that were to be employed today as a, a viable medium, we would, be, we would not... Oh, if you think people throw all. fits about ads, can you imagine if everybody had to go back to 8-tracks? Yeah. They'd throw them at people. Well, if they did employ those kind of mediums today... They would have ads on the eight tracks. We can also do a whole I digress right there because retro is in. People are buying reel to reel cassette players oh, yeah. just to do the mono sound. Yeah. I know, but okay, sorry. Anyway, so no, mediums. it's okay. Before mediums. before we re rewind and talk about the history, um, the first thing, well, one of the first things was vinyl records, mm -hmm. and because of what you just said, that has for whatever reason made a comeback, especially in the metal scene. I do not understand this phenomenon. I am on a lot of Facebook groups that we talk about metal bands and stuff okay. and between all the death metal groups the regular generic i guess, I guess you'd call it boomer metal groups talk about metallica and all that and like the the more modern like metal, metal like the gent and stuff like that all these three different um groups they're all obsessed with vinyl records now they're all taking pictures of their amazon order when it comes in of a vinyl the new vinyl record of this of this band they like i don't understand why that made a comeback um uh, to this day like as far I don't want to get too nerdy on the audio technology side of it, but I like nerds. Um, but like vinyl does, it has a particular sound to it, and some of these people buying them, they like they weren't around when records were big, so it can't be a nostalgia thing. So is it novelty then? It might be novelty. Um, like you were saying, retro's kind of in right now. Like that, there is a lot of hipsters in the metal scene right now. Well, you think rarity too, because you're right. A lot of people getting into metal aren't were not around during the the, the heyday of it, right? Yeah. And then vinyl does have some sort of sound, like, I inherited a whole huge collection of, I'm talking old, 78s, they they feel like Bakelite plastic uh, big band <laughs> yeah. from, like, World War II, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it's kinda cool to sit on the porch and sip some iced tea or something awesome and just listen to that. It does something to you, it, means yeah. it makes you feel, so I don't know if that's it. thing. I, I wish I knew exactly, um, it's kind of a cool phenomenon, though, really, like, it's such an old. Stuff. It's one of the oldest mediums of recording music that uh, that we've had. So it's just weird to see it make a comeback in the day of streaming. Um, is it maybe just a counterculture thing to how the music industry operates now? Maybe. 
Um, the fact that bands are still recording on vinyl is pretty cool. It's, it's amazing. not very easy. Like I, again, I took uh, one year of audio engineering, and we had to learn to record to vinyl and to magnetic tape. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to record to vinyl. We did not have any of the equipment, at least uh, available for the students to use. So how are we they did doing learn it? the theory and uh, the concept of that. Okay. Um, we did end up recording to magnetic tape. That was actually fun, but very complicated. It made me appreciate how music used to be recorded. Well, yeah. um, we'll, we'll talk, we'll dive into that a little later. Okay. Um, I, I could nerd out on music and like all that kind of stuff all day. Um, but I, I want to talk about the history a little bit of okay. at least the mediums because it, it ties into the industry. So at first they were recording on two cylinders that were vinyl. Mm -hmm. Same concept, you know, it would, uh, you know, you'd make a little groove that the phonograph needle called the stylus would pick up on uh, I don't again I don't really want to get too far into exactly how that works but it started out with cylinders and somebody had this idea to just basically add more space that you could record onto okay. to make longer tracks I guess mm -hmm. so they had the idea of flattening it out and that's where we got the vinyl record from instead of these cylinders um, and for the longest time records were the bee's knees man like oh yeah all your grandma's jazz was on these vinyl records, like uh, Elvis, you know, all these rock and roll artists that were coming up at the time. Like, it made it so easy to actually produce the music. It gave it and, portability. Yes. And because record players became a lot cheaper over time, mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't just for professionals and, like, like, bars and stuff to have or whatever back then. So... Uh, Music became about personal consumption back then. Like before, you had to go, you had to go and actually see the bands. Before we were able to record any music, mm -hmm. you had to go and like actually experience the performance. It had to be live. Yes. There was no other option. And just think about those magnificent performances like Bach or somebody yeah. that we didn't get to hear. We have to go back and try to recreate, but we missed all that because we didn't have the ability to record yeah. anything. Yeah, I, I reflect on that a lot because it's so different nowadays. You know. Um, tours are a lot bigger. A lot of the more popular artists would just go everywhere. But back then, the artists didn't go everywhere, you know. They typically stuck to their general area. Sometimes they branched out if they were big enough. Well, um, it depended on their patronage, too, because most, yeah. artists, most artists were supported by wealthy. Yeah. So they hung out in that circle. Yeah, and it, it, was, all, it, 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 was, all, uh, it was all reliant on word of mouth to get around. Like, I saw this amazing performance by this guy over there with the harpsichord or whatever, you know? <laughs> like, Get it. Uh, and I think a lot of like a lot of music started out on like the street culture too. Like you just go to the yeah. side of the road and start playing your music. Yeah, folk you know, you got to get your name out there and the, and the more people like that liked your stuff, they're going to spread the word. It eventually became viral. It was a lot slower it just took than longer. it is nowadays, yeah. Yeah, now it can happen in a few days. Yeah. Because remember, folks, the internet used to just be us talking to each other. There, you know, essentially that's all we're doing. Our computers are talking to each other. That's what the internet is. It used to not be like that. It used to ha you have to communicate with each other and to get information from one side of the country or one side of the world to the other. It was it had to be a done task. in person, not with waves. Yeah, exactly. And with music, you can't just write it down. You can transcribe it so other people can perform your music. But you cannot just write music down and experience it as music, you know? Well, and other people performing what you... You can't convey mood, your mood. You Like you said, you can write it down, but the mood of the person playing the piece varies 
Yes. You know, you could be an accomplished musician with perfect execution, and yet some guy on the street that's suffering heartbreak might put something into it that just makes it transcendent, which exactly. is why I like music. Um, putting the history on pause a little bit, that's something I really do want to dive into, is how music portrays emotion. Mm-hmm. It's it's just fascinating to me personally oh, no, um, that like something like just organized sound, that's the definition of music, organized sound, uh, how that can just portray so much humanity through it and and we can pick up on that and and put ourselves in that space that they were in when they wrote the piece uh it's fascinating to me um from what i've seen and studied a little bit it kind of works off the language center in your brain music is almost its own language and it's universal if i write a piece in a minor key it feels sad Mm -hmm. universally across the globe when you hear that piece your brain will for whatever reason, get into that sad mode just because of how those notes interact with each other. Except for 5% of the population, you people with amusia, I'm really sorry. I actually do know someone, just to dive in here, that cannot recognize musical tones or reproduce them, and music is noise to them. And I can't even fathom, because music is a huge part of my life every day. I do chores with music in my ear. If I want to get something done, I play a certain tempo of music. It's just, it's a huge part of my life. And can you imagine going through your life, this 5% of people that feel no emotion whatsoever... It would be the worst thing ever. And then it makes me wonder what they even feel emotion. Like, how do they do it? Oh, I, uh, it's sad to think about because music is one of my big passions in life. I, I love it. I listen to it almost constantly. There's always some music playing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I couldn't even imagine what that would be like just to hear it as noise, you know? Well, and the person that I know that has it, they don't like to be around people either because I think everything that we emit is a sort of music... I know that might be getting a little too deep, but yeah. if you think about when you're in a group of people, it is a cadence. It is organized noise in a way, and people are taking turns talking. They're talking over each other, and it, it's sort of like this symphony of interaction. And I feel like maybe that they, them, their ability, inability to recognize musical tones limits them to enjoy things. But maybe they enjoy stuff that we don't understand. That's very possible, yeah. I mean, I'd, I would actually love to sit down and have a conversation with somebody like that because... I would love to just know what that's like in their shoes. Yeah, like I said, only one person I've ever met. Because our brains uh, interpret music, you know, in a musical way, Mm -hmm. there's no even way for us to fathom how exactly that feels. I can't. It it, it weirds me out because music, I've been singing. Somebody threw me, and they gave me a solo piece. I started singing when I was a little kid, and I play by ear. I hear songs all the time in my head. And so that's how I learned to sing. And I've been performing in front of people my whole life. And actually, I miss it now because apparently when you're old, unless you become a professional musician, the opportunities to sing and play music, they do diminish. You get busy being an adult and stuff. So even though I have it in my ears all the time, I'm not making it. But then I noticed, too, I read the other day that musicians have shorter lifespans than the general population. So maybe it's good (laughs) that I'm not a musician. I don't know. Um, That can't be your typical musician, though. Like. I think it's professional. If I'm just sitting there jamming on my guitar in my living room my whole life, maybe I rec- maybe I'm one of those bedroom artists that records an entire album from my from my kitchen. Well, and I, like I think Skrillex. some of it too is musicians. When they say musicians' lifespans are 25 years shorter, I think it's professional musicians. Yeah. And I also don't think it's from playing the music. I think it's from the stress of performing all the time. And oh, then it's got to be the stressful. drug use had to be factored in there because a lot of musicians die of drug overdoses, professional ones. Yes. More than the average population, I think. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe as a collected group, they have trouble with it. I would love to, on my own time, research the numbers behind that. Um, because, I mean, drugs have always been associated with the culture of professional musicians. Well, it's they just the way creativity. it is. Is it because they can afford them? Or is it because they're living the lifestyle on the road? And so 
the opportunities to party are just, you know, more numerous for them. Or is life for creative? I think super creative people are sometimes more in touch with emotional, like their emotions. Yeah. And I think that that makes life harder in some ways. Yeah. Well, I and mean. Do they want to numb that? Like those, sometimes or enlighten, you know, bring it out? That could be it. Um, I think you're onto something there because art is usually an expression of how the artist feels. Mm-hmm. And they want to portray that through, it doesn't matter if it's visual art or music or what have you, even video game design. Um, with music, though, uh, yeah, a lot of the artists are in pain. Uh, yeah. A lot of them experience mental health issues. Even look at Kanye West. Um, he totally broke this week, didn't he? He, he breaks every other week, That's I think. That's true. Uh, that man is dealing with you know some extreme mental problems, and he's talked about it openly a lot. Uh, but he's very, you know, very successful. He's one of the most successful musical artists on the planet, almost in history. You know, superstardom status. Yeah, um, he's just like the yeah, rest he's of us. In, he has yeah, he's in a lot of pain. Bad brain days, yeah. Um, and that's something music can do is connect us to those superstars in a way that, you know, you can't otherwise. You can't just go shake their hand. But you can put yourself in their space by listening to their music, by experiencing their art. So empathy. Empathy, empathy. through art. Yeah, because yeah. when you, you hear... I know there's like this huge research... like. The popular, what is, you guys, somebody called it prap. Like (laughs) emotional rap, you know, where it's, and and it's just all pain. Yeah. You know, I know that, because I've got a whole herd of teenagers, they listen to a lot of that, like Post Malone and, Yeah, that's big now. Is it Bazzy? Bazzy? Bazzy. Yeah, and, um, sorry, Bazzy. Yeah, I I don't know. uh, If you can't tell, we're not really into the most popular music of today's age. Well, I can't keep up with it. I don't listen to, like, like Post Malone or Lil Pump or whatever. I'm not too, like, familiar with that whole scene. I've heard a lot of it because I have to drive people places, and I surrender (laughs) control of the radio to the peeps. And so, I, you know, and that's where you brought up YouTube. We have a radio, and we even have Bluetooth capability in the car, you know, so you can stream off of your phone. Yeah. The kids still stream YouTube through my car. Oh, yeah. For their playlists. Exactly. That's, again, what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Like, I just I had um, to bring that up. We'll, we'll get more into that again uh, as we go through the history again, but... Uh, you know. yeah, we'll get back on track. We're not, the, this we're not is, Aussie's train. I think yeah. this is going to be a longer episode. We might break this up into two parts. It just depends on how it goes, but uh, there's a lot to get into here, so... Um, but, uh, again, with, with the emotional part... Yeah. Uh, it's weird with music i think um i guess i want to speak for everybody but i shouldn't but at least in my experience it's easier to feel empathy with music than any other art form to me personally like for what i can't go look at a painting and understand how the artist felt or what they were trying to say because again i think all art is a language of some sort but to me music is the one i understand the most i don't know why maybe my brain's just wired for that i'm not sure if it's just me but um, with me, I can really connect with the artist by listening to the music that they create. Uh, that's the language I understand, and, and they're speaking that language um, very fluently to me. So, Well, and music is, a, like they always say, it's a form of math, or it is a language. So maybe that's just, that also maybe is a universal language among humans. Because other than the 5% that I'm really sorry for you guys, again, if someone has a music out there, please, please like comment, because... I only know one person and their experience with it. I would like to know more about that because 95% of people feeling things from music and then you have this poor 5%, really, it's pretty universal. That's statistically most of humanity. Yeah. And I can go across the globe and we can play music and both of us will have a response. We might not have the same response, but like you said, if it's in a minor key and it's this big sweeping ballad, we're probably going to feel some sadness. Even if we don't understand the words, the music will elicit that. 
Yeah, exactly. So, I've actually I've listened to music in other languages a lot, mm-hmm. and you can you still feel kind of the emotional set that the artist was in, or at least they were trying to portray. Music doesn't have to be what you're feeling currently. No, it can just be what you want to say, just like visual art. And so you can just because of just how it works, because how the organization of the notes interact with each other. Um, you can really say anything emotionally through music, even if you're not feeling that way. It's usually a lot more powerful when you actually feel that way, though. For whatever reason, it's I think it has to do with the instrumentation, mm-hmm. like how hard you're going to play the instrument, how soft you play a note, or how hard you play a note, and what order those notes in, as in the scale or the mode of the song. There's a lot of little factors in there that can really, just like your vocal inflections when you're speaking. Especially singers, obviously, are going to be able to portray that, too. You know? Well, yeah, I, I remember... That's, that's the instrument we're more used to using every day, our voice. I don't speak Spanish, but I sang a song in Spanish one Easter Sunday, and it made people cry. And I think it was, like you said, it was where I was projecting the notes, and I just wanted to sing the song to the best of my ability, and I think that comes through when you're performing. And that, that also probably goes into performance, too. Like, yeah. what is your goal with the performance? And... Is it to make people feel things? Is it to show your art? Is it just to make money? And I think that you can sense that as a human based on where you're at. Because nowadays yeah. with music, music is largely about making money to a lot of people now. Yeah. Um, and almost the only way to monetize in the current day and age is basically you have to be a spectacle anymore. I mean, um, it's no longer just put out a single. And rely- you have to put on some kind of show, like, look at, like, uh, all of the pop artists, man. They're kind of going above and beyond with their showmanship. You have to be not a personality. Just in, yeah, not just in their live per- uh, in their live performances, but um, just in their, their entire aesthetic of their brand. They have to be to a be brand a, yeah, instead of an artist. It has to be a spectacle anymore because that makes me it has to sad. stand out. Like, it's gone to the point where the entire industry is so flooded. If you don't stand out, you're going to be drowned. And think how much we're missing of just amazing music because you were t- I w- we were talking about that earlier that uh, they have changed the order of pop songs just because you have to get that spectacle out there. You have to get that attention because people's attention spans are so short. Yeah. So they put the chorus in the front of the song now to get it, you know, blasted open. Yeah. Instead um, of building. Remember that because we're really going to dive into that later. Uh, okay. That's a huge part of the industry now. So um, I kind of want to segue back to the history just a bit. We're going to um, steer back. Yeah. Okay. We've kinda Where were we at? Way we off at the rails. Were we so. at cassette tapes? Um, we, we're on vinyl. Well, we did vinyl, yeah. So I was talking about vinyl and how that uh, changed music. Because before it was either you had to see the performance mm-hmm. or we had radio when vinyl was first coming out. We um, did. So a lot of music was played live through the radio. There was not really any way to record that off of the radio. Um, we didn't have friggin' one terabyte hard drives to just, just to record everything on if we want to. We didn't have screen capturing computers. And so you had to listen to the radio and it was, you know, constantly being broadcast, Mm -hmm. but you couldn't just take it home and listen to it on demand. Like our entire culture now is about on demand. Oh yeah. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to talk about the history to see how we evolved into that. Okay. Um, but with vinyl or those vinyl discs or the cylinders, I mean, Mm -hmm. um, there was a few weird little experimental mediums before and they were just kind of clunky like there was these wax cylinders they would record onto Mm -hmm. um basically the same exact concept of how vinyl works but it was it was done on wax and it had this really complicated machine to record it and just as complicated thing to listen to it and it came out of this little cone instead of a speaker they hadn't they didn't have speakers back then also don't leave it in the sun yeah so like the sound wave itself would come off of the wax and be portrayed through this little cone okay and it was really quite like so there's all these clunky mediums but for whatever reason this vinyl cylinder 
worked really well, you know, and actually they, they came out with speakers. They were rudimentary. They don't work anything like they do now. It, the core concept of it was the same, but it was amplified through cones. That's what the phonograph was. Okay. Um, with, even with the earliest records, the vinyl records, uh, it was amplified just through a cone by just the natural way sound works and travels through the cone and amplifies itself and spreads out. It's still very quiet and rudimentary sounding. Um, then they, you know, improved upon the design of how the voice coil and the speaker worked, and they were able to design basically what we know as the speakers nowadays. They weren't quite as crisp and fresh back then, but they worked for what they were. Basic idea. Yeah. Of the sound. So okay. we we basically got way better record players, and that's when the sales of records just boomed. When it was cheap and sounded great in your living room. Okay. But they were all these big consoles yeah, at huge. the time. Um, and the culture of music was like, it would be like, you had the choice between your radio, uh, very early start of television broadcast. Or huge console. Which wasn't able to be recorded back then, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also had this huge console that you would play your music through. And you'd get, you know, 40 minutes to per side of record or something. Well, in the I beginning, mean, my old records just have one song on exactly. each side. Exactly. You'd yeah. get a that song on each side. or yeah. It wasn't just music. They were recording like uh, like audio dramas. and sp- like You can even get vinyls. I think they're hard to find now, but there's vinyls of like presidential speeches and stuff that you can get. Oh, I totally want um, to listen to that. Yeah. and it, <laughs> But there's a sound to records. Like It captured the aesthetic of music in the time. Oh, yeah. Like you think of old 50s music. And you're going to think about that little crackle and sizzle of the record playing through the record player. I actually really enjoy that sound. Yeah, and the, and the really, <laughs> the speakers had so much treble, they didn't have a lot of bass back then for some reason. They hadn't quite figured out that yet. And uh, So the, there's just this aesthetic to it. Well, and yeah. you think about that when you think about 50s music. If you were to take a, one of the master copies of the records and, and digitalize it, fix it, and it, it just won't have that aesthetic. It'll still be the song, it'll still sound great, it'll still be a song. But it won't have that aesthetic of the time if you clean that up like that. It's got to ha- um, it's well, it's really like have all the elements. It's like taking a little time travel seashell and holding it to your ear. Exactly. You're, you're going to be lost in the 50s, literally. Or 60s, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because things didn't really start changing until like the 70s, 80s. That's yeah. when we got kind of the more the next medium. Yeah, exactly. Um, that that We're going to go into magnetic tape there with that. Um, before that, I want to get into, like, again, we were talking about the aesthetics. So, oh, sorry. Yes, um, yes, yes. No, that's okay. Um, it, so it really encapsulates the time period, those aesthetics of that music. Uh, it's weird how it can bring you back. I've always found that fascinating. Just like with smell, you have a, you go and smell like a fresh-cut lawn, mm-hmm. right? You're just walking. You take a, Let's say you take a walk around your neighborhood and someone just mowed their lawn and you smell the fresh-cut grass and the fumes from the lawnmower or whatever. It has a way of triggering these memories. Okay. Okay. Music is also very good at this. I can't sit here and tell you why. I'm not exactly an expert on psychology or especially with music. But I have experienced this so many times. I'll hear a song that, for whatever reason, brings me back to, like, I don't know if it's the first time I heard the song or the most memorable moment I heard the song. Whatever strong memory is associated with that song. Or sometimes it's even just a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's not. Sometimes it's not even a memory. It's just a feeling that you get. Like, not even just nostalgia. And something on the background of nostalgia that, like, you get... It just brings you into it, just as you were experiencing it before. 
music is also very good at that, and I don't know why. I'd love to like look into that later, but how it correlates with the memory center of your brain, yeah. or like or sensory, because it sounds like yeah, it, it music is the ultimate time travel device. It kind of is, yeah. Even places you haven't been. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm having a picnic in 1930s. Yeah. Well, go go listen to some like music that was recorded in Brazil in like the the 40s. Okay. Ooh. Uh, good luck finding it, by the way. But you, if you find it, there's some. Put it in, pop it in your little your Sony, your new Sony record player, your new fangled freaking record player, and uh, just listen to some older music from a different like uh, culture, and you can almost like bring yourself into the zeitgeist of that time and that place, or, or you know, experience that paradigm of the artist that they were experiencing it that the sounds time. like a fun well you know my grandma she had a record player she had this really fancy mitsubishi set up my grandpa ordered from japan and when i hear old country music i think of baking cookies with my grandma i can <laughs> even smell them like yeah. we would make christmas cookies and she had these old like dolly parton and kenny rogers albums that she'd play that we'd do christmas cookie baking with and it gives me this comforting feeling so i think i know exactly what you're talking about when it brings, yeah. I can smell the cookies. I can hear my grandma laughing. She used to sing along. I mean, it was just a wonderful thing. And maybe that's what music does is it encapsulates all the feelings we feel. Because it's not just good feelings. I mean, yeah. I have sad music for sad times, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there really is a music for every emotion that you can feel. Like there is. Your basic C major scale is going to just be your generic, happy, monotone music. Katie Poole Weeds music. Yeah, Katie Poole Weeds that. music. Yeah, Katie yeah. Poole Weeds and, music, uh, yeah. And, you know, you've got your minor keys and your harmonic minor keys, and they're going to be two different types of sadnesses. Like, one is more of, like, a, a melancholy, and one is, one is just straight sadness. And I broke um, up with my boyfriend music. Yeah, you can almost tell an entire story just with your piano, let's True. just say, for an example, uh, or a guitar or whatever. But Because you can just ignite these emotions in a certain order and tell a whole story. Just, like, the exact way writing a story with words you know, the structure mm -hmm. of the story, how that plays with, like, how you feel. You can do the same thing with music. And that's how film scoring works. Because you have plot. Yeah. And then you have, you know, here's the, the apex of the plot, the climax. This yeah. is how, and, and, well, yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. Without the music would not be they, as cool. They, they can really, it's almost like a story behind a story, mm -hmm. in a movie specifically, where you can, uh, you can just really feel a like they're they're really trying to like aim you in a certain way you feel to connected feel a certain with the story because of the yeah. music yeah and not only is it a story in the background that isn't even the main movie it's like a sub story mm -hmm. but it also kind of uh, enhances the movie itself story it kind of pushes it along a little bit like I can't even imagine a movie without music there's been some there's been a couple little indie artsy films that don't have any music at all yeah and they're just not the same like they're great don't get me wrong that i can see the vision and, and they executed it well they don't that, that was the point of it it's almost like you have to have a point to not put music in your movie you do but mainly all movies have some kind of music even if it's just like a, a popular song of the time and they're playing it in a club that it, it's part of the scene there's still music it's it still says something it sets the scene and i also don't yeah. i think movies without music don't elicit the same emotion yeah they don't um i think i hear music all the time in my head I do too, yeah. Because I'm like, sound, you have your own soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know I do because I'm like, you know, the earworm thing, it's always yeah. happening. And sometimes even, without even knowing it, I think subconsciously your brain will even kind of write music to what's going on. 
especially people with like no one's brain is quiet per se if, if there is a person out there that doesn't hear things in their head all the time i'd like to talk to you yes. because my brain is going 100 miles a minute all the time in fact <laughs> yes. i get yelled at for it because while i'm sitting here talking to you i'm thinking about other things it's just kind of how i work yeah it's getting better. So, sometimes I sing to myself in my head, mm-hmm. like like John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. I'll just, <laughs> and it, it's a little phrase pops into my head, but I'll, I'll have it in like a sing-songy voice in my head. And Entertainment guess, 720. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do a little rap in yeah. your head, John Raphael. I'll be doing the dishes. i like, put the plate in the washer. Oh, I always do that. Just for whatever reason. I don't know why. It's fun. My... Music is fun. Above all other things, it's fun. Even the saddest of songs. Well, I think humans need fun. I, our lives are so everybody's fighting right now and i think music is something even when there were fights like during Mm -hmm. the 60s which was a great music time the late 60s during all the fight music got like a huge leap there yeah sounds came out you tracks got really long like you know you have these songs that are 14 minutes long that all happened what was all recorded i should say in the late 60s yeah yeah um i definitely wanted to touch on that too because i did a good job um Music has played a role in activism, uh, specifically mm. with, from what I see specifically, uh, at least as a good example of this, the the war in Vietnam, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the activists against the war were music, popular musicians at the time. They were yep. very liberal and were not for war at all. So they used their platform of being a popular music artist Mm-hmm. to speak to the masses about the, like just warfare in general. There, I mean, there was a lot said. I can't sit here and we, we can go off the list. We can That's go down the list. That's a whole other podcast. There's a whole other podcast, yeah. even just specifically for that. But Just music and activism. But basically, they, they were using their musical platform, how many people they were already reaching with their art, to just encapsulate their ideas about the war. And it actually swayed a lot of minds, like, uh, like Woodstock, man. Everybody associates that big old concert they had, like, like Jimi Hendrix and all those artists back then, a lot of them were against the war, and they used the millions of people who were like listening to them to just say, "Hey, war is bad." There's a lot of songs about it. Yeah. You can go back and listen to from that time period. It's amazing to me how powerful that was to sway people's ideologies. Well, and just you can listen to a song from that time frame, and you can instantly think of everything that was happening during that time frame. And mm-hmm. I think that's the magic of music. It makes me wonder about now, but I think that's now we have too many. It's not too many genres, but now it's like everybody is wanting their own special pair of custom socks. <laughs> and so music is the custom socks. Stonk socks. Back then you had country, classical. There, there, it was a little bit more of a condensed world. And it was yeah. mainly in the West. There was music in other parts of the world, but the West was popular culture. And it, it had more of a political force to it, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems interesting. It did, uh, particularly in wartime. Yeah, in wartime. Yeah. And we weren't obviously alive then. So I think about when I was a little kid... There was some anti-communist music in pop music, like Love Balloons, and oh yeah, you know there. So it did. It, it that that what is that phenomenon has kept going. It's just maybe not as powerful as a whole as it was during that time. And people, I think, thirst for like the boomer generation thirsts for that yeah. glory days because I notice there's a lot of them that are protesting now too, and I think that they miss that because it was a powerful emotional time. That's true. Um, we may dive in deeper to this later, but on yeah, that we'll, point... We'll go back, yeah. Well, on that point, um, there was a phenomenon in popular music around 2008-2009 where America was in a recession. We had the big housing crisis. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were losing their jobs, losing their homes, rough losing times. their income. Um, rough times, pretty rough times. I mean, we've had worse. But at the time, in popular music, 
there was a shift at the at the very it was it was extremely correlative to that. Okay. So all of a sudden the popular music was pulling us out of this funk we were having because of the 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 zeitgeist. Yep. And they were it was all about like having fun. All this music about going to the club and dancing and having fun and <laughs> just trying to kind of upbeat our Let's mood a little it. bit. Yeah. And, and it was directly right correlative. Yeah. yeah. It's, you can tell like if you go listen to um, popular music pre-2008, it was your generic pop, you know, sex icons and mm-hmm. all, and a little bit of hip hop and R&B was pretty popular back then. Um, but then bam, 2008, 2009, that's your summer dance hit like phenomenon that happened. Just all this electronic music, upbeat, really happy sounding club music just got really popular. It really did. Because we wanted an escape from the funk. Well, I think anytime you have bad cultural times, you tend to get these over the top, over just feel good people. Mm-hmm. It really sucks right now, so let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna have a lot of that because of the Rona. Like I'm wondering what's uh, gonna yeah. come out of that. Yeah, um, maybe, but with the way the industry is going, I don't know. They're they everybody's just competing for clicks now. So well, right now, it might not pop shift. Music as it is did. really kind yeah. of morose. Yeah. I, it's like well, or sometimes they'll have a poppy tune, but the mu- the words. I've been looking at the words a lot more because I never listen to the words. I'm one of those people that. I'll sing the worst words along with the song if I like the tune, and then I go yeah. back and I'm all, oh. <laughs> no, I can attest to that. I'm uh, bad. With metal as my main oh, yeah. main course yeah. that I like, uh, I can attest to that. I A lot of the times I completely tune out vocals in songs mm-hmm. because of that. I, I very in, Because I'm a guitar player, I'm very instrument-oriented. I listen to mainly the guitar and the bass and well, the drums. instrumental metal is my one of my favorite types of oh, music. Yeah. I don't and that's need, bigger than ever now, too. I don't need the, the vocals. Sometimes the vocal, if I'm in like a screechingly horrible mood, yes, scream into my ear. But if I <laughs> am wanting to be productive, in fact, I write a lot because I have my blog and I will listen. You send me a lot of links. Yes. I like the instrumental metal is my favorite. And it doesn't just have to be one type of metal. I didn't realize how many genres of metal there were, which is another topic, but I, I like them all. Yeah. And I love the, there's a lot of technical ability needed in metal. People like, to, they've always wrote it off as this, oh, they're just screaming. It's like, no, listen to the guitar. Yeah. Seriously. Listen to that. I mean, there is some there is some bands that give it a bad name. Yeah. Again, this kind of the more gimmicky stuff. Um, or the, or the earlier like extreme metal when they were really trying to push the envelope. It's kind of hard to digest for your regular person. You have to kind of be a nerd about it to enjoy it. And there's a lot of those. Trust metal me. Metal historians. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I could get we we could do an entire episode on just metal. I mean, come on. I don't know how many people really want to hear that, but we, we might do we it. We might I don't go know. there. Well, well, I don't um, know. I think it's. But that's my cup of tea again. So I'm probably going to reference mainly metal. And rock a lot okay um obviously there's a lot of other types of music but with instrumental music mm-hmm. um not just metal but there's a lot of like your lo-fi hip-hop going on to do your homework there's a lot of this uh trap music and Love edm that. a lot of that's instrumental you know a few little vocals they throw in there to to modulate and make it sound cool like skrillex is famous for that he kind of raised the bar on doing dubstep and but he would like record a woman saying something or take a sound bite of a movie or something and he would modulate the one little phrase of or voice into a complete song mm-hmm. um but anyway instrumental music is i think bigger than i can i don't want to say bigger than ever it used to only be instrumental music for a while uh you know for do the you ma- think that's because main... people always have music on now because of streaming and our devices it's not yes. like where you have to go walk and put a record in or even a cassette or a cd because i know we're going through history yeah and you know, street. I know that what was that pirating kind of started all that. 
Yes, know, for the most part, it, pirating it did. did. Started I, a playlist thing and, exactly. and iPods. And, but since that has all come into our lives, now you have music. You can have, I usually do. I have it going most of the day. Yeah. If I'm, you know. And I've found myself more often listening to instrumental music because I'm having it playing in the background. Well, uh, and I need oh. to be able to kind of pay attention to my surroundings or, you know, You're figure out what the baby. kids are doing. And if I have, if I have, uh, like, a death metal singer just blasting my eardrums out with his distorted vocals. It's going to be really hard to like focus on what the kids are doing well, yeah, while I'm doing I, the dishes. When I'm out in the farm and I'm doing work, if I just have instrumental music, I can almost keep an eye out for, hey, is that cow going to run me over? Or, yeah. you know, I'm picking weeds, but I need to be mindful that someone's coming down the driveway. And that is where we come into is music. Is music have, has it become background noise? That um, traumatizes me a little bit. I don't want to say mainly, but a lot of it has because I think there's a lot of factors to that. But uh, one of the main factors is how easy it is to listen to music now. That's you just true. pull out your phone, open up your Spotify, and click a playlist. And we'll get into playlists later because yeah, that's a big part of the industry. Yeah, because you don't even have to think about that anymore. It yeah. does it for you. Um, well, that's a big part of the industry now is, the, is playlist culture. Mm-hmm. It's completely reshaped everything. But we'll dive into that deeper a little later. Okay. Um, but at, for yeah, now, we'll, history, but with it, yeah. because it's so easy just to listen to music now, we can do it. We can have music playing no matter what we're doing anymore. It, whether it's through your phone speaker, you pop into headphones. Raycon, shout out. Let's get a sponsor. Ooh. Everybody else has one. Come on. Uh, no, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love your, what your, you your, did right I, there. your AirPods, yeah. you know, your um, all this. The technology has really driven the industry forever. And that's why I wanted to get into the history of the mediums for a while. Um, the technology really drives how even music is monetized. And it always yeah. has been because the what it costs to produce is, you know, directly correlative to what the artist is going to make per sale of the album or what have you. So we've gone from toss a coin to your witcher to get paid with Bitcoin? Yes, exactly. Okay. Toss a Bitcoin to your witcher. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, internet of plenty. Oh, internet of plenty. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing just how it's shifted um we'll get, let's get back into the history real quick okay uh, yeah i want to get through we can do this we're probably going to bring up a lot of topics more than once but again this is my passion oh, technically so i like well this is how i learn things and plus i like talking about this because i think music touches except for the five percenters yeah so pretty sorry much for you guys sorry. yeah i feel bad we'll do a different give episode us a shout out seriously I would, I would really like to <laughs> I talk do, to you guys i want to talk to the amusias Okay, yeah, um, so history, we've went up to, through Vietnam, so we're getting closer to tapes. Yeah, so we're still on records for a while, yeah. and then, uh, We went you know, to 45s, which were much more portable. Yes, yes, um, you got your little smaller records, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It made for the smaller record players, you know, meaning you didn't have this giant console. Take the little box It was a lot more portable. Yep, take the box to the beach, you yep. know. A lot of cool technology came out of this. It um, really did. One, one thing I have to bring up is, uh... Uh, what was it called? Selectivision. Uh, somebody at RCA had this idea to put movies, full movies, onto vinyl records, and that actually um, gave us a lot of cool technologies we still use to this day. I don't want to get too deep into that, but I just wanted to shout out to Selectivision because that was cool. Plus, the name's um, awesome. It took so long. <laughs> yeah, the name is pretty awesome. The name awesome, is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, it took so long to produce Selectivision. Uh, to to fine tune it and make the, so the actual players it wasn't maybe? cost effective okay. the players were the players were cheap uh they were they didn't when it came out it was right when VCRs were becoming big okay um, oh gosh early yeah, 80s yeah when it first came out all we had were video cassette recorders to record TV okay. they weren't making movies onto these cassette the video cassette tapes yet no, you just they weren't mass producing them. They actually started mass producing movies onto the vinyl discs called Selectivision that RCA made. Um, but 
because everybody also was recording their TV shows, mm-hmm. the cassette tapes became a lot cheaper to produce. So mass adoption. Yep. And that means more uh, R&D money to the people who are making them. And then the VCR got cheaper mm-hmm. because of it. Then it, we can get into this in another episode too, because then you got the your beta media. Mac. Yes, yes, yeah. it's we'll fun. We'll do that one. Later. I love this kind of stuff. I love I'm a the nerd on this media. stuff. No, yeah. But shout out to Select Division. Um, unfortunately, you know, right around that time, not only were we getting the magnetic tapes for movies, we also were starting to record music onto magnetic tapes. Do you think somewhere out there there's a Goonies Select Division? Because absolutely, might, I might need that in my well, life. Well, I don't know. When was the Goonies? That was an '80s movie, wasn't it? It was there? pretty early. But you said around the time. So was Select Division more late '70s? That was mm, early '70s. Yeah. So Rocky Horror yeah. Picture it, Show. It was popular. <laughs> it was popular up through the end of the set. Like um, Star Wars, the original Star Wars. That was what 1977. Yeah. So we could totally find that. Yeah. That's somewhere. that's a Select Division movie. So yeah, or late '70s. I'm sure like the very early '80s. That's when it kind of stopped well, and it fell off, and they. Actually, they stopped. They they kept making Selective Vision discs. Okay. Uh, long after they stopped making the players themselves, because so many people had already bought the player. Uh, oh, but so again, it's just VCR technology got a lot cheaper, and well, I remember. And yeah, we VCRs. got our VHS tapes that kind of won out. And in the mass adoption almost. equals cheaper production, yep. which equals more profit. Which that's yep, how yep, that's yep. gonna work. Okay. Um, I love the free market capitalism model because we get better quality stuff for cheaper. It just evolves because of that over and over and over. And the people get it. to decide what's worthy. You know, yeah. I know there's an argument that it's manipulated. We could talk yeah, about what, that what? later. But honestly, <laughs> I'd love to put the tinfoil hat on. I trust want me. a conspiracy. Uh, no, we'll, we will. <laughs> talk about that too eventually Don't trust worry, we'll, me we'll we have a lot of yeah. topics we're gonna we're gonna have complete episodes I, we're on, never gonna run out of things to talk about yeah but we found um, this out. okay but luckily because of free market capitalism the uh just producing magnetic tape became a lot cheaper mm-hmm. they, they really refined the technology and because of that we started to record music onto these tapes um i think it started with the audio tracks on the video cassettes well, yeah, and the reels, yeah, the magnetic and reels, magnetic were a reels, big deal. Yeah, yeah, for movies and stuff like that too. Um, so it became pretty cheap to produce these cassette tapes that music was recorded on too, and so that just became the medium over time. Um, nobody wanted a big bulky record player anymore when you could just get your nice Sony boombox, the Walkman, your ghetto blaster, and the Sony Walkman. Okay, I'm old enough because I'm I'm stuck kind of. Between two generations. I'm technically a millennial. Yeah. But I'm old enough. I made mixtapes. I mm-hmm. loved them. And it was, you know, even when CDs came out, because that was mostly what was during my childhood with CDs, but we had tapes and we had, my dad had this cool leather box that had like journey tapes in <laughs> it, yeah. ZZ Top, and I loved that box. But I'm telling you, when tapes, the bad thing about tapes, when one died, it was like you wanted to have a funeral and you cannot fix that thing. Like there were some hacks, but if, if a tape died, it was over. It was over. It was over. And Done with. you know, when you, when you lose your, your journey tape, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And you got to buy a new one and tapes were expensive. Oh yeah. Back then. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and you know, and back then you could buy a Hershey's candy bar for a quarter. So 10 bucks for a tape. It was painful. But that's when artists, I think artists made a lot more money back then. Yeah, they were getting massive cuts of the actual sales of the albums they were putting out. They totally Um, had to. By the way, real quick, real quick, quick. The reason they call them albums is because again, um, vinyl records were very limited on the amount of time you could record onto them. Mm -hmm. So often, like they would have to sell you a big book full of records called an album. So you'd 
put on one side of the record, it might have two songs on it. Towards the end of it, they got a little better at yeah, condensing could... the like the grooves and everything. So you could have maybe two or three songs on one side. You'd have to flip it over, mm-hmm. listen to the other side. Or, or they one when they when song. they invented the record changer, the automated record changer, so cool. they started doing direct sequences. So you'd have like side one and then side six on the bottom, and then it would or like whatever. So basically, it made it so like the automation could put the disc on, and then you'd have to flip the whole stack over. Oh, yeah. Um, My grandma's but, Mitsubishi was like a robot. But they would have to sell them in these books called albums, and for okay. whatever reason, that just that name for a uh, like a compilation of songs stuck. So I like it. Even with cassettes. Um, oh, it's an album now. It's still called an album, even on your Spotify playlists. On iTunes. Yeah, you go and you look up an album, or the new popular artist releases an album. For whatever reason, that's stuck, even though we don't have these albums full of records anymore they did they resembled photo albums did you have an album full of cds and mixed cds yes everybody had that i feel I like think. we all did yeah, right yeah. those were amazing i can't wait to get into cds oh, when you started burning discs life changed uh-huh i can't wait so to dive faster. into that okay and we're then, up to tapes yeah but we're we'll, up to tapes. We'll, we'll, we'll dive deep into cds because that's kind of really where that's where we that's both, where the yeah. evolution of today's music really I, kicked off mm-hmm. it was pretty stagnant and everything back when tapes were going on so um and again going back to aesthetics um tapes had their own little aesthetic of the of the late 70s early 80s total culture too and even just the sound of the medium each each different music medium has a different sound to it and magnetic tapes are extremely recognizable sound i don't know what it is there's a warmth to it you get a little bit more bass out of it well there's a huge hipster subculture of people with just not just tapes but reel-to-reel tapes they're totally they said the sound and maybe that's a craving for some sort yeah. of real t- thing, authentic thing, because <laughs> you don't get that. I love being able to just get on my phone and listen to whatever music I feel like listening to, and I'm old enough yeah. to remember when that was not an option. Or you had to listen for an hour of radio to hear this one song. Now you can just make a playlist, bam, you got it. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. I don't think people should rag on it. It's super cool. It is super cool. Yeah. Um, but having a thing is great. Um, we still, luckily, right now, they're still producing CDs. I don't know how much longer that's going to last. I, I don't think very long. CDs. Um, I haven't listened to one for years. It's still so cheap to make a CD. That's, that's the thing. Like, we're talking pennies. Like, um, because of mass production, it's like, well, it, it really good. only costs the, the, the uh, distributors pennies on the dollar to, to make the CD. You know, we're talking, you know, a few more pennies to throw it in a plastic case with some, with some but artwork. But who's listening to it? Because I haven't listened. Yeah, okay, well now uh, nobody's buying well, disclosure, CD I haven't listened to a CD for years Me now. neither. I have a huge drawer full of them because I won't get rid of anything that's yeah. music. Anything oh, I still music have I, a, I have an album of CD somewhere around I, here. I have a minor all in cases. So, yeah, well, because some people just gave them to me when I was mm-hmm. younger, too. So then I'm wondering, well... It's because of the evolution of technology. Because now yeah. you can go buy a at Walmart, ten bucks, plug in to your cigarette lighter in your car, and Bluetooth. Well, that's so your true. phone can now just communicate with no matter what stereo you have, as long as you have a radio yeah, and a cigarette an lighter. Adapter. You don't have to have those weird tape adapters with the plug on it. You don't have to have a CD anymore. You and we went from tape. We went from tape to digital in like light speed as far as history went. It it really evolved quickly. So yeah, yeah tapes almost didn't even last a decade. They didn't. Almost. It was well. It was like they, the 80s, they, they held on quite hard though because as they started producing CDs, um, they were still mass producing tapes alongside them. You could actually have the option, just like when uh, DVDs first came out, you could still buy the video cassette of some of the movies and the DVD. Yeah, and same thing happened in the early '90s. I remember being able to take a CD I bought 
when I was a little kid uh-huh. and make mixtapes with all my CDs. And yeah. you still did that because you didn't have that ability like you do with your phone where you just throw songs into a playlist. And that came at the later part of the 90s with Napster. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about tapes, though, tapes started the playlist culture, realistically. This, is true. this was the that early. Was it. You could make mixtapes. I had them. By recording. Okay. It got complicated, but it was a cool little hobbyist kind of thing mm-hmm. where, okay, maybe you were listening to the radio and you, oh, my favorite song is you cut off the first half of the song trying to get the tape in and hit record. <laughs> Everybody became sound yeah. engineers. <laughs> yeah, and but you'd, you'd use a tape, you know, and then you'd you'd cue it up and then when you hear the next song you wanted to put on your mixtape, you'd hit record again. Um, so you had this, this medley of songs you liked from the radio. Everything took so much longer. Yeah, well, um, the just like VCR started out with just recording the mm-hmm. TV, tapes did the same thing. You could record off the radio. Well, they realized this was madly popular, so they made the the double tape uh, recorder. Yes, that's where this started. Was yes. you put in one tape in one side, and there right next to it was another slot for another tape, and you hit record. So you could buy a tape from the uh, from the music store or from any you know a lot of stores distributed them. Or borrow um, your friends. Yeah, so you or here's where <laughs> here's where pirating yes, really that's started. Where it started because I had I had to build up to it slowly, yeah, but pirating it, yeah. really started with cassette tapes. It because, really did. And VCRs. Um, yeah, you could you could uh, essentially just borrow a tape from a friend, pop it in one side, and put a blank tape, which were pretty cheap. They weren't right away cheap, but they got cheaper. But realistically, it was cheaper than buying a already produced tape. like cassette tape. So yeah. you pop it in, record from one tape to the other tape and then the technology evolved with it to be able to like uh instead of because you used to have to flip the tape around because it was double-sided magnetic they make ones that flip it automatically yeah well they made head they made the heads that moves to the other side and essentially recorded it backwards instead of being able to rotate the head it would actually just record backwards it just went the other direction i had one like that um thank thank you microchips uh that was well and i have an anecdotal thing about this in the 80s, when I was little tiny, my grandpa had a satellite dish. He spent like four grand. That's like spending 20 now, okay? Yeah. You didn't have to pay to get the feeds. Papa had HBO. He had all these things. <laughs> so then he also got a VCR, yep. and we recorded The Empire Strikes. He, you could, that's when it all started. Yep, pirating really because with, back then, with magnetic tape, whether yeah. it's cassette or You just or knew VHS. where to line up your satellite. You could get Showtime. You could get HBO. You could watch all these movies that were still in theaters by Heck and large. Yeah. And, and they didn't have, it's like they didn't catch up with the people for a yeah. while. And yeah, so that was, I remember that. I remember watching, and then I have one grandparent that recorded so many hours of TV. He ended up with like three or 5,000 VHS tapes in his garage. Holy moly. And then he thought they were worth something. And it's like, no, no, Papa, that ship has sailed. <laughs> and to get rid of that, and thousands, thousands of tapes. And then yeah. he did the same thing with movies on um, disc. So he had this huge catalog. And by the time he caught up with all that, then we had moved to the next part, which was streaming. streaming so yes. it's funny how people do that. I don't know. Archiving. I guess there's archiving yes. among us. I, yeah, sorry. I, I didn't mean to divert, but it was oh, just, yeah. you talked we about pirating. We all archive something. We do. We and, really do. And like, you talked about pirating, and it really did, I think, start picking up steam in the 80s with VCRs and cassette tapes. Yes. Yeah. Um, pirating really kind of started, especially with recording your TV shows. Yes. That was a really big thing. Um, there were many debates in Congress whether it should be legal or not. Yeah. Because of intellectual property rights, copyright, uh, all this other stuff. Um, Congress shut it down every time. They're like, you guys are already making so much money. Yeah, you're getting like, ad revenue. A, like, let people record. It's not a big deal. So, uh, thank, they, thankfully, that's yeah. we Who's were that able to keep our cool? VHSs. <laughs> yeah. um, and nobody was really, like, m- distributing pirated content back then. You could let your friend borrow a recorded 
like TV show. We kind of came and watched but... it with you together because people hung yeah. out a lot. Um, yeah. Eventually, that evolved into like a whole black market thing and whatever. But uh, especially mm. with DVDs, we don't need to get into movie media right now. No, We're no. Mainly talking about we can music, talk about that but, later. Um, we do movie episode later. But particularly in music, pirating really started with uh, making mixtapes from the radio or yes. borrowing tapes, um, and and people would just give them out. That's how a lot of bands got famous. I want to say particularly Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really good way to get your music out was to make uh, all these bootleg copies, give them to your friends, and your friends would just start giving them out to record to. Now, the more tapes you record on, the, the more the music degrades. The quality so sucks. So it wasn't uncommon to get this horrible version of like one of the more popular cassettes that were out there. Mm-hmm. So everybody had like a real crappy version on tape um it was, version on tape. yeah everybody had these blank tapes laying around that are like fifth generation recording listen to my bootleg entertainment yeah, type bootlegging okay, yeah. bootlegging was huge in music back then okay um oh i remember so yeah it, it, it was kind of amazing um first time i heard weezer was on a mixtape yeah and wow. so um the kind of mood behind pirating really stuck around after that because nobody wanted to pay full pr- well not nobody but there was a lot of people who didn't want to pay full price for the cassette um, but so if they you just like borrow it, make their own. It would be really easy. So if one person buys it, so that started peer-to-peer sharing, which was really what kicked off the pirate, the internet pirating thing, oh, yeah. you know, like Napster and like uh, you had LimeWire and BearShare. We'll get into that a little later after CDs. Yeah, we're in CD realm right now. Um, but CD pirating was easier once you had your little computer and you could write it. Yeah, know, it was a little easier. There was a buffer. Um, for a while because not everybody had the burning technology on their computer with CDs. It was not easily uh, it, was, it was not easy to write onto CDs. It took um, so for a little bit there, you couldn't bootleg with CDs when CDs first you came out. You would just record it to a tape and give yes. it to your friends. Yeah, that That's was easy. Actually, yeah, because you could take your, uh, your, your Walkman CD player, yep. a little portable CD player ran on double A's, and plug that into, there was an auxiliary port on your tape on your tape deck, on your boombox. Yep. And re- you could record from your auxiliary port. Or you could just, if your boombox had, a lot of them had the two tape players and the CD in the top. Yep. Or in the radio, and you could just record everything to tape. So tapes hung out for a while. Tapes, they, they hang on. Mixed um, tapes did. CDs were out for quite a while. Till about uh, the late 90s. Yeah, but they um, they actually produced tapes up until about the, <laughs> the early 90s. And I think they're going to bring them back. Yeah. It, you can still, you can actually still, most recording studios that are, uh, actually still record to a magnetic tape for a master. There's something about the crazy. there's something about it, um, but I, I forgot to completely go into the aesthetic oh, of oh, tape aesthetic. Uh, okay. with tapes and music culture. There was an aesthetic to that music. Um, there was something raw about it. You had small little distortions of the sound. This is particularly noticeable on VHS sound mm-hmm. for whatever reason. You had that the uh-huh. magnetic tracking, like, tracking, the tracking. It's tracking. something to do with the way tracking worked on the magnetic tapes. Uh, there, it created this aesthetic. And that's making a comeback in vaporwave and synthwave. They really add. They it's artificial because uh, there's all these cool filters you can do on like your DAWs and all that. But vaporwave is becoming huge for whatever reason. The nostalgia probably. But I think a lot of us really liked that raw sound. Um, it didn't sound very like nowadays. Music is so refined. Chris, they sit there and pull all the little silences out and they, all the little imp- impurities. You can really edit them out. Uh, we do it all the time here doing the podcast. Do. I just think nothing beats when a tape has been pulled out and then you rewind it back in and then you play mm-hmm. it again. It's like yeah. it's it's that's special. Ta- tapes were the original fidget spinner. Oh. You should just sit there and wind the tape from one side to the other with your finger. Oh yeah, and like, oh yeah. I did it all the time. It's fun. Sitting in the truck waiting for your mom. Yeah. Ooh. I remember the first 
first tape I completely destroyed, just pull all the tape out because I wanted to see how long it was. Oh, like, it was oh I, I just remember it would never sound right again after you put it back in, even yeah. if you just took your time. But yet there was something magical about that. Like you're talking about, there's not only the recording distortions, but then the idea of it, the yep. physical distortions. Mm, exactly. Makes now, you, um, makes you think of simpler things. Now, uh, here comes CDs into uh -oh. the mix. Uh -oh. So, uh, I thought CDs were amazing. I, I think somebody was trying to take the concept of a record and basically turn it towards the digital age and because it really works very similarly like the laser reads little pits and valleys in the plastic disc that was burned in by another laser yep and uh it became pretty cheap to make the discs and it became pretty cheap to print on the disc because you actually make a metal just like with vinyl you make a metal master Mm -hmm. Made of, I think it's usually some kind of cheap steel or something. Yeah. And it, it has the pits and valleys and on there. And then just burn, 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 And burn, it burn. presses the, the vinyl, or the not the vinyl, the plastic disc on there. And you, then they cover it up with a reflective film. And it's, it's all this cool little process. But um, over the years, it became cheaper to actually make the discs and mass produce them and sell them in big... And it happened Everybody pretty ha fast. A lot of us still have these like recordable discs sitting there in a spool. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> yeah, I have a hundred of them. Yeah. Well, because we leapt so fast from <laughs> recording discs to just streaming. Like yeah. there, there, you don't even need to keep a physical form of anything anymore. That was a no. huge leap, and we'll talk about that later. But... Exactly. Yeah. But with discs, like that was, you could hold so much data on these little discs, and they were way smaller than records. Portable. They were much more portable and convenient than the tapes, because we were all getting tired of like you have to have all the tape. You have to rewind the tapes. Yeah. Oh, the biggest thing for me, I can still remember the first time I listened to a CD, the single greatest thing is you could hit the button and skip through songs. That was huge. You yes. did not have to fast. The fast forwarding took forever or rewinding. Oh yeah, there was no there was no time code stamped into the and magnetic tape. And there was a tape, repeat so. button. Yeah. I don't know about you, but the repeat button was freaking huge because you could listen to the same, like say you really like the song. I know we all do this. Mm -hmm. I can listen to the same song if I'm digging it for like 35 times and not get tired of it. It's like I have to burn it in my brain, kind of like you burn into a CD and then I'm good. Yeah. But that repeat button and being able to skip, it changed everything. I loved the repeat button. Oh, repeat. And it was huge for hip-hop. And hip -hop. shuffle. That, being able to do that kind of stuff was huge for hip-hop. Yeah. And kind of really shifted how they sampled beats and stuff for that. I don't want to get too far into that. That's we'll a whole other episode genres. if we want. Yeah. yeah I, I can go um, there too. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, the digital age of music really changed that scene a lot because of how you could just make cooler samples. I mean, before then it was scratching records and you, you were able to do that, but you were still pretty limited on like, when you could just because things. of the nature of how a record works, you can't just pick up the needle, move it exactly. You can't see where you're doing on there. No. Um, but with the digital discs, with the CDs, the compact discs, um, you could loop it. there was time codes recorded mm -hmm. into the, that's how your CD player found the track. Um, it would read a time code. It was sub data that was recorded into each little segment of time. So, um, all of a sudden it was a lot more convenient to listen to music. So we're kind of phased out tapes pretty quickly. They did. It they just, just the features of being able to skip tracks, repeat. Well, once everybody got, stuff. once everybody mass adopted desktop computers and the internet, and then you can yes. make mix CDs, then tapes just evaporated. I didn't see I think more. that's exactly when tapes stopped. Yeah. It was way more convenient to bootleg CDs. And that's, and that was the late nineties. Yeah. I remember they just took kind less of, time. goodbye. Yeah. Like with, with tapes, how it worked is like, you'd have all the tapes spooled up on one side. And to either record or play the tape, it would actually have to move the spool to move the tape along a spinning head, that a spinning magnetic head. Yeah. 
And so uh, it was just inconvenient. We got real tired of it. it took, basically, it was, took too long, and the cassettes themselves took up a lot of space on shelves. Do you notice this theme with us? It's gratification and convenience. Those are like the things that yes. make humans go boom. That's what, that's what pushes all technology. Yeah. Just like Moore's Law, where you know, computer processors get more powerful mm-hmm. and uh, smaller at, at an exponential or logarithmic rate, mm-hmm. um, the same thing happened with music mediums. So all of a sudden, discs were flat and small and a lot more fit on the shelves of stores and stuff like that. Well, yeah. And it was a lot faster and easier to actually produce and get the songs on there. Yeah. Um, and it, now you don't even have to store them on your devices. Mm-hmm. You just have to have the RAM to play it. Exactly. And, and, because of the, uh, and because of the increased storage size on the medium, all of a sudden the music quality Improved. shot up on yeah. what you could get like... With tapes, you were pretty limited on because of space. You couldn't make it the highest fidelity in the world. Now with digital music, you could, you know, essentially have like as high a fidelity as you can imagine, up to where your the human ear couldn't even like tell the difference. Oh, the crispness so of HD music. music really came out of the digital age, um, and there's still a special place for digital music. I love it. It's oh, all it's all digital now, and it sounds great. It's very pure and very like. All the all the impurities are taken out, so we'll. I don't. So now you basically have to artificially add in the raw sound of like tape distortions or record or scratches. Or go to grandma's and, house. Or go to grandma's house, and yeah. There's something more human to me about impurities. I like mistakes. Okay, like no, I don't necessarily like mistakes, but you know what I mean. Sometimes you like to listen to more a raw, more earthy thing mm-hmm. when you're in the mood for it, and then other times because most of my music listening is done via my phone over my headphones, and it's digital. Yep. So there's no mistakes, but I feel like sometimes things can be overproduced. Oh, for sure. You know, and like, where's the scream of the lady getting murdered in Roller Coaster of Love? You know, there's these things. <laughs> oh, man. So memes. Yeah. yeah memes yeah. were, like, yeah. You miss out on memes when things are overproduced. Yeah. Well, and I notice you're right. People are adding it in just to have some interest in their, their performances. Yeah, their... to touch that nostalgia bone yeah, or whatever, you know. Yeah, Well, and to give something to your fans because now you have to be a brand. Yes. Instead of just being an artist, and I think I don't. I think we made that leap when we went into digital music. Exactly, because back then it was more about like, honestly, the, a, a lot of band didn't care as much about record sales or cassette sales or whatever. It was about the it was about the, the live yeah. performance. Yeah. The, it was a little bit about the, the brand. Um, it wasn't as important to sell merch back then. That's why you how come you don't just see like a million one, Elvis shirts still around. One arena show would make just this catastrophic amount of money for them, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, the Beatles weren't making money selling t-shirts. They were making money selling the albums, so they had more time to focus on their live performance, which is really what sold the albums anyway. And they made money that way, whereas now artists have to be... Well, I think it's now like you everything. have to have merch, and you have to put on this extravagant show for like a hundred dollar tickets in and sell out an arena to make any money. Yeah, it's insane because like you don't make money from the ticket sales; you make a tiny little cut. Um, you make a tiny little cut of the bar if you're one of the more uh, adult artists. Uh, you make a tiny little cut of the record sale, and I mean really tiny oh, cut yeah, of the, the CD sales it's now. Ti- uh, scary. Um, you make fractions of a penny for streaming. Like per stream. So you've um, got to get in front of people now yeah. as more of a performer than so an artist. So now you it's, really it's... have to up your performance game in order to sell merch. So you have to be, it's not even almost about the performance anymore. It's about the merch. And it's like that, not just in music. Like as an author, you they expect you now to have a social, like you used to be able to submit a manuscript, get a, um, you know, a publisher would say, yeah, I'm going to publish your book. 
Yeah. And they would do a lot of that work. Now you're expected to have social media followers. You're supposed to have a persona. Yeah. You are the brand. And now I think, I don't know, I feel like that hurts music in some ways. But then in other ways, it's given us this huge platform to discover all of these amazing things. So yeah. I, I um, do you think people are finding ways around it. Like Just a little bit. I mean, the more popular artists are... I don't know. It's it's a weird industry now. Even they look for the, like androids. Even the more popular artists are losing a lot of money from this. Uh, and that bothers and we're, me. And we should be thankful. We should be feel lucky that they are still doing it. Uh, especially indie artists, because now it's easier than ever to download Audacity or Reaper or any of these free DAWs or even pay like $100 and get a pretty decent one and just record music in your bedroom. You know, um, a lot of metal bands do that now uh, so periphery some... shout out to periphery mm. they released their entire first album just home re- home recorded didn't have to pay a producer they did it all in their bedroom um so now you can really produce high fidelity music in your bedroom for cheap for free only if you really want to so if you have the instruments already so there's more choice but people are making less money traditionally so yes. now it's a new way yeah so now a lot of a, a lot of artists are doing it just to do it and I not to make money. I think that's a wonderful money. way of um, doing but, art. But if you do become eat. popular, you still make a little bit of money. Yeah. But you you have to have exorbitant amounts of streams to make the kind of money that like uh, like Drake or Kanye West or, or or like Post Malone is making. Well, yeah, because they only make point oh oh four cents per play. Yes. That's nothing. Yes. That would take millions now, of Now, granted, that's just on one streaming service. So if they are also, like, let's say that's Spotify's going rate. Yeah, that is. Um, they're also getting a fraction of a cent per Google Play. They're also getting a fraction of a well, cent YouTube. per iTunes. Uh, YouTube monetization. If, some, if somebody does happen to use your music in a compilation video, uh, you will get royalties because of how YouTube's terms of service are set up for copyright things. Uh, so they'll take ad revenue from that video that used your music, okay. whether or not they had permission. YouTube will go in and grab most, if not all, of that ad revenue from the ads that play in that video and give it to the artist who actually wrote that. So if you cool. if you make a compilation without permission of ten different artists, don't expect to get monetized, even if you have the most views of anybody in history. Because they will take all of that and distribute it to those artists. Like so, artists are still making money from the ad revenue on well, YouTube. Well, I think they and, should. I mean, they're yeah. the ones that made the music. You just threw it together. It's not like exactly, it was. Yeah. It's pretty easy to make a compilation now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but a lot of a lot of music now is recorded out of passion again. So we're back on that. Well, that might uh, be that, a good so thing. So it though. almost shifted back into passion. Uh, so it's, kinda, it's a hobby now almost to just release your music because a lot of artists go in knowing they're not going to make anything you know if you're good if your craft is good you might make enough to like you know maybe pay for a new instrument or something you're not going to it's really hard to make a living anymore in that industry unless you're really going on tour and that's your entire life on the road putting out those concerts selling those t-shirts selling the selling those yeezys do you think that's maybe a leftover from another age, though? Because I think you said it seems like pop music is more about the spectacle now and the branding of the spectacle. And I don't even know. I wonder sometimes the artists that do that, they've got to put some of themselves into that. because. They mm-hmm. get, but it just it seems you've got these huge divergence in music where you have the people that know they're not going to make any money, but they're doing it anyways because they love it. And then you have the more packaged the, the cult of the personality lucky charms of music you yeah. know where it's this branded yeah cult of personality where people and people still follow it and people still love it and mm-hmm. they still talk about it like they know these people whereas i think you could actually literally know the indie band oh, like yeah. you talked about yeah. where you could literally talk to them exactly no there there it's i think it's amazing we live in an amazing time yeah really for that um, part for music anyways a lot has changed even in just the last 10 years like when i was in like i said i was a guitar player in some metal yeah. bands 
And both both of the bands we were in, we did record a little demo, and okay. it was really expensive. We had to pay a producer. Like, DAWs were not as easy to get. If you could get them, your computer, like, could not run them. Computer technology has evolved like, Just in vastly. 10 years? They've become much cheaper um, to get a computer that can run even Pro Tools. Like, Pro Tools is, they you know, the development of these DAWs has gotten to a point where most computers can run them because they've written the code so condensed that it's not okay, going to take a lot a of resources. Okay, what's DAW for people that don't? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, jargon. Uh, a DAW is a digital audio workstation. There we so, go. So uh, it's basically just a recording studio that's on your computer. But because computing power has increased so much in the last two decades that you're basically saying that yes. your own home computer probably could run yeah. the DAW. Back when I was in a band and this was only like 2008, which was um, not that long ago. Not that long ago, really. Years. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's been a decade, actually. Wow, I feel yeah. old. No, it's okay. We all do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but just a decade ago, computers kind of sucked. They were awesome for browsing MySpace, right? Ooh, or MySpace. like get, getting on Google and like looking up song lyrics or something. Um, you could do a lot on computers back then. But as far as like digital audio recording, no. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. You had to buy a basically a supercomputer and then buy a $1,000 piece of software and hopefully your computer ran it. Uh, and then, you know, a year later, your computer sucked and the uh, the DAW became more advanced and released an update. And then your computer couldn't run it anymore. And so, you had to buy a whole new computer. It was really expensive. So only these giant, like, uh, recording studios were able to record digital music so cheaply. So it was kind of a monopoly in a way? Yeah. So basically you're saying that just in a decade, you've been going from having to rent expensive studio time to you can make it at home. Yes. I mean, that, that has happened. Now if I wanted to, I don't even have to have a band. I could actually modulate all of the different instruments. I don't even have to have a guitar anymore. See, I, I could write it all with MIDI, and MIDI is just a, a digital synthesization of music. Like GarageBand? And it's gotten really good. And it's hard to tell the difference between real instruments and fake instruments now. Or real instruments and uh, synthesized instruments now. Well, you know, and I have, I have, okay, this is probably overshare, but I'll, I'll take bads and I'll listen to music and it's my music time and I'll go through and listen to, I'll sometimes just get on the top chart and just kind of listen to everything, kind of gist it. And it's not just top of one type of genre. It's just the top download musics or like top 100. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost overwhelmed by the amount of music there is right now and, oh. and the different types. And I... I pride myself in being able to keep up with things a lot because I'm a librarian, but music is blowing my mind. I can't even fathom the sheer volume of it. I'm like, what what genre is that? You know, is that yeah. toenail gaze? Like, I don't well, it's even all, know. Well, it's all amalgamating into, like, uh, yeah. just one genre almost. It's just one big group of organized noise. Yeah. And I don't know what's the exact factors in that. It could be, my hypothesis is... Between being able to stream mm-hmm. and the market being flooded completely with, because oh, of how easy saturation. it is to record music now. We all have a musical voice now. You can download Audacity. That's the program we use. Shout out, by the way. We love Audacity. I love Audacity. It's, this is the DAW we use to record the podcast. You can download that. You can buy a, a $10 cord on Amazon. True. Thank God for the 21st century. And it'll be here. Products on demand. So you can get a twenty. You can get a $10, $20 cord on Amazon to plug a guitar, any instrument, into your computer and start recording music. Really easy. It's really only a matter of time now, not not difficulty. Well, that's something that I think we're all in short supply of because of the constant assault of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we talked about that little negativity episode, but just we are constantly, do this, do this, do this. I suffer from it terribly because... Yep. And I think that affects creativity. I, I think if we could like be locked in a room with instruments and food and the internet, 
magic could happen, but that's oh, not happening to a lot of people because you have all these demands of society on you too. Yeah. Different different tangent. Sorry, but it no, just, that's okay. I feel like that might be affecting. So what you're saying though is we almost have music inflation, kind of like with money when you flood them. Exactly. When there's it's music inflation, and some of it's crap, and some of it's awesome, and you have to weed through the weeds to find anything. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's um, that's a big contributing factor to the devaluation of music, particularly yeah, in how you monetize too much it. Of something devalued for streams. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Uh, so it's kind of crazy like how the we're gonna we're gonna dive deep probably in the next episode it looks like it's gonna become a two-parter we're already at an hour i think so oh yeah we've, um we've we're probably gonna wrap out. up this episode um in the next episode we're gonna be talking in depth about like how piracy changed the entire uh, like industry and culture of music um i'm sorry we didn't we weren't able to cover all the topics we wanted to dive into in one episode this is such a big topic yeah i think we're gonna have to go on well yeah, yeah. because the next one too we haven't even got into streaming and background noise and how yeah. music has changed just in one decade so exactly. i know we're gonna go there really we've only covered like the a brief history of like mediums up to cds and it, it really changes from here so uh we're gonna leave you on a cliffhanger i think here guys um sounds good uh so all right well that was a good episode i liked it Thank you, everybody, for listening. At the end of each episode, I like to end by eating chips in the microphone for three minutes. Where's the guacamole? Today's chip sauce comes from the um, Good News Network. The British Academy of Sound Therapy has found that music takes 13 minutes to release sadness and nine to make you happy, says a new study. And I won't go into the details of it because it's cool if you just go read it. We'll link it in the comments. But honestly, it goes in perfectly, correlates perfectly with what we talked about today. What do you think, Freddie? Yeah, sounds great. Alrighty, y'all have a good day. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you like our content. And tune in next week for our continuation on this conversation about music. And make sure you smash that like button.